0: I hope we are all in fine form with two weeks to go until Christmas Day. And uh, we're going to be continuing our series looking at this incredible verse in Isaiah chapter 9 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to be looking at Mighty God this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence with us this morning. We thank you for the dynamic, active nature of your words, that as we open it this morning, Sunday the 11th of December 2022, you have something new and fresh to say to us. And Lord, I pray that you will speak to us in these next few moments together. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start with a story. Has anyone ever said to you, you're not who I was expecting? Yes. Well, I have a particularly embarrassing... I don't know why I felt the need to share this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So I'm going to take you back to Christmas 2007. I was home from university for the holidays, and I got a new phone. And, you know, it was back in the day when a new phone meant a new number. So I sent a very innocent message to all my contacts. Hey, everyone, this is my new number, so please delete the old one and then my signature sign-off, Phoebes, three kisses, and it went. I didn't think any more of it, and then I got one message back from a particular friend of mine called Anthony. I haven't changed his name to protect his identity, but Anthony... (laughs) Anthony was um, a friend from the, we'd been at sixth form together and we'd been in the Christian union of our sixth form, we had quite a big sixth form. So anyway, we got into this exchange of messages back and forth and there should have been a few alarm bells but I didn't really think anything of it Um, and then he said he would be back in our hometown that week and that we should catch up. So I said, great, there's a new Starbucks, we'll go there and then his response was, fantastic, We'll buck the stars together." Which I thought, A, was an odd thing to say, but a level of enthusiasm not normally to be expected from Anthony. Anyway, the day came, I went into the Starbucks, I saw him from across the place, and I waved, and I walked over. And as I was approaching him, I was met with first what I would describe as bewilderment across his face, and then pure horror. (laughs) And I thought, this is strange. (laughs) walked towards him, and uh, he stood up looking utterly shell-shocked and greeted me with, I'm so sorry, Phoebe. It's just that you're not who I was expecting. You see, it transpired that, apparently thrown off by the fact that I'd signed my message off as Phoebs, Anthony had thought it was another Phoebe who he'd known since primary school, who he'd had a crush on since primary school. (laughs) And so he was hoping to finally pluck up the courage to ask her out. Oh, dear. And then I arrived. (laughs) And uh, the next 30 minutes were among the most awkward of my life. He was trying to be really polite. He insisted that I stay for a hot chocolate. I couldn't drink it fast enough. (laughs) Burning my throat on the way down. And after a very, very excruciating 35 minutes, I made my excuses and left poor Anthony in his sorrow and heartbreak because he had the sinking realization that he must have deleted the other Phoebe's number when he got my message. So he now had no means of contacting her. Poor Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Expectation and reality were very far apart for him that day. But with his phrase ringing in my ears, I'm led to think about those who would have been receiving this prophecy from Isaiah. As Pastor Andy unpacked for us last week, into this context of oppression and darkness and the Assyrian regime, the saviour, the rescuer, who is finally going to deliver the people of Israel, is first described as a child, a baby. I can imagine the people thinking, that's not who I was expecting. And in fact, throughout this promised one's life, he was not what people were expecting. But this first description did not sound like the description of a mighty God. Is there anything mighty about a baby? I'm assuming we're all familiar with the concept of a baby. I've brought, I've brought this one just in case. It's not real, obviously. But you know... <laughs> A baby is really the embodiment of human frailty, isn't it? They are dependent on their primary caregiver to meet all of their most basic needs. Nutrition, hydration, shelter, waste disposal management, even rest. (laughs) They can't even sleep by themselves. We've got to rock them off to sleep, feed them off to sleep, pat them off to sleep. There is nothing mighty about a baby. And yet, isn't it incredible that the God that we serve chose to come in such a humble form? In Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11, we read that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So in this season and in these past few weeks, I've been reading again the Christmas story, and I was drawn to Matthew chapter 2 and the story of Herod. And I'm going to read a few verses for us now. About that time, some wise men came from eastern lands, arriving in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them where the star had first appeared. Then he told them, go back to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and stayed there until Herod's death. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old. In verse 19, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. I'm not really going to talk about Joseph this morning, but I do love this incredible account of the solid, unwavering faith of Joseph and what an unsung hero he is. But as I read this story again, I was struck by the fact that what Joseph chose to focus on made all the difference to this family because he was listening out for the Lord and his attention was on the Lord. I think sometimes we are so busy looking at the Herods in our lives that we fail to pay attention to the mighty God, the one in whom all things hold together, who is giving us his help and his strength and his guidance If I put myself in this story, I wonder if I might have been too busy saying something like, Lord, Herod is so powerful, he's a tyrant. I can't believe the way that he's acting. We're a small family far from home, and now you're telling me he's out to kill the baby. Don't you realize that he'll stop at nothing? And all the while, I might have missed the angel of the Lord appearing to say, get up, get up, I've got something for you. Certainly, the situation looked mighty. Herod was powerful. But how powerful is our God? To us is given mighty God, El Gabor, which speaks of bravery and courage and action. But I also think it's sometimes helpful to look at the antonyms of a word to help understand it. And as I looked at the opposites to mighty, three stood out to me, powerless, helpless, weak. Have you ever felt powerless? Have you ever felt helpless? Have you ever felt weak? I have, all three, even this week. And if you have, I think we're in good company because the truth is, without Jesus, all of us are powerless. All of us are helpless. All of us are weak. You see, we might look at a baby and think, at least I can hold up my own head. But I know that I can't always control the thoughts in my head. How about you? We might look at a baby and think, at least I can feed myself but I know that I don't always eat what I should whether that's physically or indeed spiritually. We might look at a baby and think at least I can get myself off to sleep but goodness me how many times do I lie awake either mulling over the day that's gone or worrying about the day that's to come unable to take that rest. Maybe the baby and I are not as different as we seem at first. We can all struggle with our emotions. We might struggle with addiction. We all struggle to have control of our sinful thoughts, words, and actions. But the thing about a baby is there's no place for pride. Can you imagine if a newborn baby said, thanks very much, I've got it from here? They simply wouldn't survive very long. Their relationship with their primary caregiver works best when they approach it from a place of dependence. And I think it's exactly the same for us in our relationship with our mighty God. But I know that dependence is not a popular concept for us because we live in a society that's really made the self God. We are the center of our world and we serve ourselves and we can do it ourselves. You know, we're constantly being told, if it works for you, do it. If it feels good to you, go for it. You do you. We're encouraged to be strong and to find our inner strength. We're encouraged to be self-reliant, because that is a measure of success, and even at the end of our lives, that that's what we should be celebrated for. You know, the most requested funeral song in this country, apparently, is My Way by Frank Sinatra. And as the great philosophers Beyonce, Kelly and Michelle sang, the shoes on my feet, I bought it, the clothes I'm wearing, I bought it, the rock I'm rocking, I bought it, because I depend on me if I want it. This is the anthem of a generation. I can do it. I want it. I can't trust anyone else. I depend on myself. But this morning, with all the love in my heart, I want us to do two things. And the first is to gain a realistic perspective of ourselves. Because I think we need to do that in order to gain a realistic perspective of our mighty God. The truth is that the inner strength that we have comes from Him. The ability to counter our sinful nature, that comes from Him. The transformation that takes place in our hearts and lives is not of ourselves, it's only Him. Only He has the power to change us. When Paul writes to the Philippians, he talks about learning to be content in need and in plenty, and he says, I can do all these things through Christ who gives me strength. It is His strength through which we are able to do these things. And he demonstrated his might by taking on the nature of the most powerless, helpless, weak human form. In doing so, he showed us that his ways are not our ways. So this morning, I have good news for you. As the angel declared to the shepherds, I have good news of great joy that will be for all people. Because to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and he will be called mighty God. And because of this, you and I can have hope today and hope for the future and we can have hope because we are not on our own earlier in chapter 7 of Isaiah he refers to this coming King as Emmanuel God with us the fact that he came as Emmanuel is the fact that makes all the difference to our state of powerlessness helplessness and weakness and long before the birth of Jesus King David understood this and in Psalm 18:29, David says these five incredible words with my God I can He understood mighty God. So certainly as we look at Matthew 2, Herod looked powerful compared to this new family, but his power was nothing compared to the power of mighty God. I wonder what the Herods are in your life this morning, and do you know how mighty your God is this morning? Josh Weedman wrote in his paper, The Messiah in the Book of Isaiah, the storyline of redemption unfolds throughout the Holy Scriptures and reveals God's intent to reconcile people to himself and establish his kingdom on earth. With each turn of the page, we find a piece of his plan fall into place, his promises kept, and his prophecies fulfilled. So I just want to give us three points this morning, looking at three very well-known Old Testament stories that point us to Jesus, this coming King, this mighty God, the Son who is given to us. And the first is this, to us is given power when we are powerless. The definition of powerless is lacking the authority or capacity to act. And this has taken me to the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start from verse 28. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. And verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Amazing. Nobody was prepared to give David any authority at the beginning, even his brother, who knew that he had just been anointed as future king of Israel. All that he had to do that day was a simple task. His dad asked him to go and deliver some bread and a bit of cheese to his brothers. That was all. But doing that task puts him in place to change the course of history. And so my first encouragement to you is never underestimate what mighty God can do in and through you when you are faithful in carrying out these simple everyday tasks of life. A verse that's been on my heart a lot recently is Zechariah 4.10, which reads in the NLT, Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And a work was beginning on the inside of David. So don't despise the small things, the everyday things that God has given you to do. Don't look at your situation and the the everyday and the menial and think, God hasn't given me any authority, because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And we know that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. As I read this story, I'm struck by the power of perspective. The Israelites were looking at their Herod, Goliath, and they were rendered paralyzed. But because David was looking at mighty God, he was rendered powerful. And that same heart that caused David to say, with my God, I can, is what gave him such confidence in the battle. Now, God was able to do it regardless, but their perspective is what made the difference. And so, our battles probably won't involve swords and spears, but whatever you're facing this morning, the same is true for us in our lives. Where is your perspective? Because what has power will be determined by your perspective, by your perception. So, do your thoughts have power, or does your mighty God have power? Does your boss have power or does mighty God have power? Does people's perception of you have power or does mighty God have power? Who has the ultimate power? Is it any ruling government or is it this child, this son, of whom Isaiah prophesied the government will be on his shoulders? We may be lacking in authority, but with my God I can. To us is given power when we are powerless. In the middle of your battles, fix your eyes on Emmanuel. The mighty God is the one in whose authority you speak and act, and the battle is his. Secondly, to us is given help when we are helpless. Definition of helpless is unable to defend oneself or act without help. And this takes me to the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? They replied to him, verse 22, the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the flyer? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So they came out and all crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was the hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. There is no other God that can save in this way. Another incredible story. These three young exiles serving a foreign king, taken as hostages and essentially groomed for civil service in this regime, indoctrinated and even having their names changed in an attempt to erase their identity. Talk about starting from a helpless situation. And then, once they defied the king, there was no way out. They were going into that fire. And they annoyed him so much along the way that he turned up the heat. The situation was getting more and more helpless but God was not going to leave them there. And so these three young exiles plus mighty God turned out to be a very powerful combination. We read that they came out completely unharmed, but also that once again the king recognized them as servants of the Most High God. In other words, the sovereign, the powerful, the mighty God. Now, I can't imagine the immense pressure that they must have been under, But ultimately, they trusted in God's might. We know that our God is able to save us. And they trusted in his will. But even if he does not. Wow. For me, this story shows that our perspective on how mighty God is is important, not just for us, but for the watching world around us. When we show our faith in him, our trust in him, in situations where humanly we are helpless, it gives others the opportunity to see the might of God at work in our lives. See, our confidence in how mighty God is is not just to get us through the sticky situations of life. God has a much greater purpose on the earth. and We know it well, John 3:16. for God so loved us the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is his heart. Sometimes the fiery furnace moments of our lives are more about a watching world waiting to see a mighty God at work than they are about us. Look at how this narcissistic king went from a scathing critic to a recognition of the Most High God. Can that help us to have a different perspective in situations that make us feel helpless too? I know that so often I pray for God to remove the fiery furnace moments from my life. But we know that he doesn't always act in the way that we would. And it's not just for us. Our God is mighty to save. Sometimes the furnace the is about him bringing others around us to an understanding of who he is, which can in turn change their lives. But in the middle of it all, we can rest assured that God is with us, that he goes through it with us, and that he will give us the grace to endure. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Life is full of this kind of stuff. The waters, the rivers, the fire. Isaiah writes, when, not if, you walk through but what beautiful promises to hold on to in the midst of it, and what encouragement we can draw from these three young men about what God can do in the middle of those situations. With my God, I can. To us is given help when we are helpless. The fires of life are unavoidable. And again, I don't know what you're walking through this morning, the situations you may find yourself in, that leave you feeling helpless. But I know that He is with you. That is His promise. His help is available, his protection is available, and that makes all the difference. Sometimes God's might isn't seen in the absence of fire. His might is seen in how he carries you through. And I think this hurting world needs to see what it looks like to walk through fire with a mighty God. And finally, to us is given strength when we are weak. The definition of weak is liable to break or give way under pressure. And this takes me to the story of Deborah and Barak in Judges 4. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah, and the Israelites went to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Barak said to her, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Hallelujah. Verse 14. (laughs) (laughs) then Deborah said to Barak go this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands has not the Lord gone ahead of you so Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him at Barak's advance the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword and Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot We'll skip to verse 22. Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera, and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her, and there lay Sisera dead. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. In chapter 5, Deborah and Barak sing this song. Verse 2, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Verse 9, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Verse 31, so may all your enemies perish, Lord, but but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Another story, absolutely love it, love the story of Deborah. Barak was crumbling, for sure he was weak, he was liable to give way under pressure. But once again, his perspective was on the enemy, on Sisera. And the difference between him and Deborah was perspective. Deborah knew the God she served. She knew that he was the Most High God, the Mighty God. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you, she says to Barak. I think sometimes when we're feeling weak and we're busy focusing on the Herods in our lives, the first thing God might give us is a Deborah, someone to come alongside us, encourage us, and remind us of where our strength comes from. Because we all need reminding of that from time to time, don't we? We all need reminding that it's his grace that's sufficient, that his power is made perfect in our weakness. Deborah encouraged Barak to lift up his eyes because their help was coming from the Lord. And so whilst he was feeling weak, God sent someone along to be that representation of Emmanuel, God with him. And then we have this final sentence that the land had peace for 40 years, which I find incredible. Not just Barak, not just and Deborah had a good night's sleep, but the whole land had peace because God is mighty. I wonder where our mighty God is waiting for us to step out, to be willing as they sang in their song, even when feeling weak so that he can bring about peace or even shift culture on a large scale. Because here, willingness in weakness led to peace, to stability. And surely if ever our land or our world needed those things, the time is now. So if you're feeling weak this morning, be encouraged. Mighty God is lending you his strength. And my prayer would be that you would see the Deborahs that he's placed around you. To us is given strength when we are weak. And so, as we follow this beautiful story arc, we come to the New Testament, which confirms that Jesus is, in fact, the mighty, all powerful God who created the universe. We've heard it already this morning. John 1:3 Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And all things were created by him and for him. And in him all things hold together. Colossians 1:16 and 17. Jesus showed that he was the Son of God by his mighty works that he had power over the wind and waves, over sickness, disease, and even over death itself. This same child was born to us, the child towards which the whole of the Old Testament was pointing. This same son is given to us. Now, for sure, he was not what they were expecting, the son of a carpenter and an unwed teenage mother, a man riding into Jerusalem on a humble donkey, a man who washed the dusty, dirty feet of his disciples, a man who spent time with sinners, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with those from hated ethnic backgrounds, with people with disabilities, with people who were socially excluded and marginalized. This is the mighty God. And his mightiest act was the ultimate act of submission. His mightiest act was the ultimate act of sacrifice. His mightiest act was taking on all of the wrong that has ever been done since the beginning of mankind in order to make a way for you and for me to move from a place of powerlessness, helplessness, and weakness to having his power, his help, and his strength in our lives to live out the lives that he has for us. His mightiest act was taking on all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of those internal battles, wrestles of the heart, mind, and soul that can so often lead us down a destructive path and taking the punishment for all of them so that we could have peace, so that we could know freedom, so that we could know healing. His mightiest act is to give us the gift of grace, completely undeserved and unmerited. As the hymn writer Philip Bliss wrote, guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless Lamb of God was he, full atonement, can it be, hallelujah, what a saviour. So lift up your eyes this morning as you look upon the image of this child born to us, his son given to us. Perhaps he was not what you were expecting. His power in your life, his strength in your life, his help in your life may not look like what you are expecting, but remember that he doesn't view things through the same lens that we do. We know that we only see in part, but in him all things hold together. Your family, your health, your job, your visa application, all things hold together. The, the son is born, the gift is given, the debt is paid, it is finished. All that's left is a question, will you receive it? How much power are you prepared to draw from him? How much help are you prepared to receive from him? How much strength are you prepared to receive from him? You see, as I look at these three stories, I see that our story is never just about us. It was never really about David or Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego or Deborah or Barak. The thing that they all had in common is that they were vessels, powerless, helpless, weak vessels in the midst of the challenges they faced, whose struggles were a means by which they and those around them experienced the might of God. It can be the same in our lives if we allow it to be. To us, a child is born and his name will be called Mighty God. I just want to finish with some words from Psalm 91 as the band come up. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He is the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy, and he will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. I wonder if we could just close our eyes for just a moment. I think there's nothing more wonderful than living this life with the mighty God right alongside you, fighting the battles with you, walking through fire with you, holding you up in moments of weakness. And if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want you to know that Jesus, the mighty God, came for you. He loves you. He loved you even before you got here. But all of the things that we do that the Bible calls sin separated us from God. Things that we think and do and say that hurt others and hurt ourselves and hurt him. God wanted to make a way to get us out of our powerlessness, helplessness and weakness. So he sent this incredible gift of Jesus to pay the ultimate price of his own life so that you and I could have life with this mighty God right by our side. Not just today, but every day. Not just for this life, But with the promise of a life with him while eyes are closed if any of you are here and you've not ever accepted that incredible invitation but you would like to i wonder if you would just raise a hand where you are i'm just going to pray this prayer mighty god we need you we're calling out to you today i'm tired of doing things my own way help me to start doing things your way I invite you into my life to be my Lord and saviour. Fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me complete. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to love you. Help me to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done to give me life and a fresh start. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, then we would love to pray for you. Please come and see us at the end. And if you feel, any of you, that you are in the middle of the battle right now, that you're struggling, that you're feeling weak, that you need the strength of mighty God, then, again, we'd love to pray for you at the end. But right now, we're just going to fix our attention again on worshipping the mighty God together. Thanks, Rob.